Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Eastern Australia is currently in the grips of a mouse plague. Although mice live everywhere, people do. I mean, they are actually called house mice. Normally they go undetected. Right now, though, highly favourable conditions have caused mice populations to explode in the states of Queensland and New South Wales. A year of abundant rainfall after years of drought have led to bumper crops. This provides a lot of food for mice, allowing them to not only thrive but also to reproduce at an astonishing rate. I'm Charlotte Bergmanis and I spoke with the CSIRO's Mr Mice Guy, Steve Henry, to find out the latest. These sort of outbreaks of this kind of magnitude tend to happen at the end of a run of dry years. So mice are present all the time and they can survive at really low numbers through runs of really excessively dry years. And then when conditions become favourable, there seems to be a really high level of survival of the juveniles and nothing regulating the breeding of these mice. And so really good climatic conditions, lots of food in the system, high levels of survival of juveniles lead to the numbers increasing really dramatically. So we know that they are plaguing and that they are now sort of part of the ecosystem. Could this also lead to plagues of native reptiles or native carnivores like quolls and dingoes? The answer is no. So Australia is a boom-bust system where we get high numbers of, of prey species and then low numbers of prey species. And the predators seem to move with those almost in a delay. So as you get more food in the system, the survival of those predators is enhanced, but their rate of reproduction is so much slower than mice. You don't actually end up with a plague of raptors or, heaven forbid, a plague of snakes. But conditions do become more favourable for them. And so for a year or so, we see more of those critters around, but then they decline after the, the mouse numbers decline as well. Do you think that this plague could spread across the entire country? It's really hard to say. I suspect yeah, we won't see the same sort of magnitude of outbreak as we've seen in northern New South Wales, but we're certainly telling farmers to maintain their vigilance. As we go into winter, mice will stop breeding and numbers will plateau through the winter time. The level of overwinter survival is really important. If we get a high number of mice surviving through the winter and conditions are favourable next spring, then we're concerned that mouse numbers will go high again. So we're going to be monitoring really closely through the winter time. We're telling farmers to keep an eye on their crops and at the first sign of damage in the spring, be prepared to bait mice. You spoke about the mice baiting. Could you tell us a bit more about that? So there's only one registered chemical for control of mice in broad-scale agriculture, and that's zinc phosphide. When a mouse eats a grain of wheat that's been coated with zinc phosphide, that gets taken up into the blood and goes off and does damage to the major organs. In the process of doing that, most of the phosphine gets used up and what doesn't get used up dissipates out into the environment in a gaseous form. 
if another animal comes along and eats a mouse that's been poisoned, the chances of secondary poisoning are actually really low. It's about three grains per square metre. The chances of non-target species finding those three grains is actually quite low. That's different to the toxin that's available for use around homes and sheds that you can buy at the supermarkets. And the toxin actually builds up in the body of the animal that's eaten it and remains there after the animal has died to poison other animals that come along and eat those carcasses. So it's really important if we're using those sort of second generation anticoagulants around our homes and sheds and things, that we actually keep an eye out for a sick and, and dying animals and deal with them appropriately so they don't remain in the environment to poison other animals. So we're not using the second generation baits at the moment? No, no. And in fact, there is only a permit for the use of those around homes and sheds at the moment. There's no permit for the use of them in broad scale agriculture at the moment. We know that this is also happening in areas where farmers are growing grain for human consumption. So there's no risk of this entering the food chain in the grains that we would eat. The zinc phosphide on wheat grains is is spread when the crop is very short and, and all ends up on the ground. After a number of rainfall events, it converts to phosphine and disappears out into the environment. We don't know of any contamination in samples that have been delivered to silos. Is there any concern about disease being spread, for example, the other plague or any other exotic viruses that could be coming through with these mice? So fortunately, we don't have bubonic plague in Australia. There's been a couple of cases of a viral meningitis that can be spread from mice to humans. There's another one called leptospirosis that transmitted by mice. You know, if you're dealing with shoveling up or cleaning up lots of dead mice from around the place, it's really important to wear gloves and it's really important to wear a face mask just so that you protect yourself from, from any chance of contracting these things that are transmitted from animals to humans. That was Steve Henry, mice researcher from the CSIRO. 